the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a great question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Bear Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into part two of Armchair Politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Thank you, and a great show. Well, thank you, and and it's all because of you guys, including our third chair this uh, this week, former high-ranking official in two presidential administrations, Mark Everson. Mark, welcome back as well. Thank you for having me. Um, let's see. Uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has proposed two debates against Republican challenger Tudor Dixon, uh, but Dixon said she wants debates held earlier and possibly more of them. Whitmer's campaign said Wednesday she had accepted invitations to participate in two debates against Dixon, the Republican nominee, ahead of the November 8th general election. The first would be held in Grand Rapids on October 13th, hosted by Wood TV, and the second in Detroit on October 25th, hosted by uh, WXYZ, WXMI, and WSYM. Both would be televised statewide. Should there be more than two debates, and is mid and late October too late for absentee ballot voters estimated to be half of the votes cast? Yeah, I think that's part of the strategy. <clears throat> I mean, the polls are, are favoring Whitmer right now, and I think from her point of view politically, uh, she doesn't want to, to have any more and risk the chance of a uh, misstatement or a fluff of some sort that could 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 uh, upend her, her her current advantage at least. So I, I I can see the political logic that she's taking on those for an incumbent governor. So. Getting well, back. I, I, I do think that uh, Tudor Dixon is going to offer a whole new perspective toward this issue with abortion. Well, she's the television advertising has been uh, pretty ugly, both in... Uh, yeah, she's getting yeah. beat up on that yeah. issue pretty well. Uh, yeah, she, uh, yeah, because that's a popular sub- subject around the country. And she's presenting that... And, and for, Mark's, for Mark's benefit, um, there are... Uh, uh, oh, what do they call them? Uh, Anti-Tudor Dixon ads running that um, that underscore comments that she has made favoring absolutely no exception banning of abortion mm-hmm. in Michigan. Right, and and that's 
and and she has said in you know some high profile interviews she's been questioned you know even with regard to life of the mother um that there are no exceptions in her uh, attitude toward uh, abortion in in whether or not it should be universally banned and the problem for Tudor Dixon is that in Michigan uh, people tend to be fairly supportive of a woman's right and, to and choose. And there may also be an abortion issue on the ballot that could generate even well, a larger turnout. It, it, it's not definite yet, but it looks like it might be on the ballot. But I, I'm not sure that she uh, sees that uh, anyway in distracting the right of women to have choice and stuff like that. And I think that she does recognize the Save the Mom's Life I, that she has um, she has that exception, at least to save the mom's life and some other you know, exceptions thing, as well. One thing I'm surprised is that she that she has not had any kind of a comeback so far on those all those ads that have been running very heavily on all the media around here. No, uh, on her be, not because she's afraid, but she's developing her own strategy. Or does she not have the funds? I mean, I don't know what how her funds. Well, are I think I think it's probably a matter of economics. She's uh, you know probably planning to. Uh, come out big closer to the election yeah. with with what she has available money-wise. I want to go back to something that, that Mark brought up at the end of uh, part one uh, of today's show when he was talking about Gretchen Whitmer and whether or not she's uh, a good candidate for governor. I want to turn it around on him a little bit with guys like uh, uh, Newsom and uh, DeSantis that are you know clearly angling to run for president in 2024 from your vantage point in mississippi how does how does gretchen whitmer look on the national stage you know she just comes up from time to time and uh i don't think she generates a lot of attention but i i would just say this that that it's not clear to me at all the, the democrats because you have a, a, a sitting president and, and the vice president uh, everybody else is sort of dwarfed by by those two Bernie Sanders sort of I think fading, and the major Democratic figures are people like AOC and others who are uh, you know not going to be candidates for president, but they they're the leaders of the other pieces of the party. So I do think it'll be a real free for all if if Biden doesn't run, and I think that actually favors somebody who is more obscure, if you will, and not that being a governor of a big state is being obscure, but, but uh, mm-hmm. that gives a chance. I think that gives more of a chance, especially since Harris and the, the country isn't, and I don't think the Democrats are even sold on Harris if Biden chooses not to run or something happens. So I think she would be, I, I, be in the mix uh, conceivably if, if, if uh, just, just because of what I'm saying, it's, it's there's on the Republican side. It's a very different dynamic, as you say, because you got DeSantis and a couple of the people like Cruz and others who are out there and are quite visible. But but on the Democrat side, Newsom may be trying to use his name, but uh, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a, a dog that can hunt. Yeah, well, well Whitmer was considered. She was kind of on, on yeah. a relatively short list. Uh, Last time around for VP, I mean, at least she was mentioned in some commentary, so who knows? Yeah. That's when uh, she was uh, working well with the Republican Party and giving money to school districts, 
finding money for that, and trying to find a solution for the road situation. And uh, but she was still dealing with the COVID thing, and she was making some progress there until she, until she hit the brick wall. Yeah, and that is when businesses began to fade and disappear, and people uh, thought that they were left behind. Uh, she faced some tough. Yeah, well, she got a lot of flack for her early COVID response. I mean, in, in terms of shutting down businesses and all that. Although I, I wonder how well that's going to sell. I mean, this, that's over two years ago by now. I wonder how big an issue that's going to be this time around. But yeah, she got a lot of flack early on in her administ in that administration in the COVID era. Um, so it, it's an issue. But I, I wonder if it's you get a sense it's faded a bit. I think. Yeah, I yeah, think I, I don't. I, I, you, Go ahead. I guess the question is, what can you say under her watch where Michigan is, you know, really distanced itself positively from other states? And I think you've got to be able to say that. You look at Bill Clinton back when he um, defeated an incumbent president uh, in Bush. Uh, he was articulating a new approach, a different approach. And I'm not sure what she really stands for that will will pull people together but because uh, uh, that's what it takes i think to rise up mm -hmm. in a in a national conversation i i think i think you're right i think one big pitch people may be looking for next time in 24 is the idea of is there someone who can pull people together and at least modify some of the, the divisiveness we're seeing right now uh and that that may be true for either party there, there's no right. doubt there's no doubt that she has the moxie to be the presidential candidate uh, because, but, but the bad mistakes that she's made with respect to closing businesses and leaning too far into the COVID thing well, might be a problem. And, and people want governors. Uh, they don't want, uh, I think, I was reading some observations by other people who were watching the presidential issue debate, and they are saying that we preferentially need to choose from governors because they have... Well, his, he, Henry, you're right. Historically, governor, the, being governor is a much better avenue to the White House than being a senator. We've elected a lot more governors to the White House than we have senators. And in general, the experience of being a governor probably fits the job a bit better as well. Yes. Rather than business leaders, business leaders. Hey, I've got got one that's uh, a little interesting. This is almost kind of an X Files thing. I want to see if we've got time to do this because I have a little game that goes with it. The Shelby Township clerk, an influential Macomb County Republican, has filed a handful of lawsuits against fellow GOP members, claiming defamation on social media websites. Among the most well-known defendants in the lawsuits filed by Stanley Grott is Melissa Carone. Carone was a contract employee who worked at the TCF Center in Detroit on election night 2020 and whose testimony before a state legislative committee alongside Rudy Giuliani, former President Donald Trump's attorney, was later lampooned on Saturday Night Live. Grott accused Corona falsely stating he had been taking money for bribes, writing, Stan Grott took a uh, $230,000 bribe in 2018 to drop out of the uh, Secretary of State race. 
He also says that Carone falsely stated he kept money from the lottery ticket of a person who was in the country illegally, and uh, she called him a political sellout, traitor, compulsive liar, and fraudulent man. An investigation was conducted when state Republican Party Chairman Ron Weiser allegedly agreed to pay Grot $200,000 to drop out of the Secretary of State's race before the party's convention in 2018. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel declined to pursue criminal action against Weiser, who agreed to pay $200,000 to resolve a campaign finance complaint following review by the Secretary of State's office last year. In May, Carone was disqualified from running for a state Senate seat in the county uh, after she was already disqualified from running for a state house seat in the area. She currently is running for lieutenant mm. governor as a member of the U.S. Taxpayers Party, whose gubernatorial nominee is Donna Brandenburg. Grata is seeking more than $25,000 in damages in each lawsuit, both of which were filed in Macomb County Circuit Court. Is this a good way to respond to apparent social media abuses? <laughs> it just makes more headlines. I wouldn't try it. Well, here's something I, I thought might be kind of fun. Um, Cicely Strong uh, portrayed Carone uh, on Saturday Night Live. Here's a little bit, the two of them side by side. I know what I saw, and I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go to prison. Did you? I'm not lying. I signed it after David. In after David? Yeah, that's correct. David signed, and then I signed right after David. <laughs> now, now the question is, can you tell? Um, now, that was obviously Corona at the beginning, and then Cecily uh, Strong uh, in the second half. Um, but here's... Uh, Here's another quote. Can you tell if it's Corone or Strong? This this election, I will say, it they took these Democrats took every avenue possible to commit fraud in this election. And what I saw on the third and fourth was over twenty counts of fraud being done taking place in front of my face. And this isn't counting you know, the ballots that are found in rivers, the ballots found under rock. <laughs> now, who do you, do you think that was Corona or Strong? I'm going to go with Corona, but I'm, I'm, I'm up in the air. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I can't tell. How about, how about this one? We just have time for one more. You're going to regret saying that because I personally saw hundreds, if not thousands, of dead people vote. <laughs> Corona or strong? It's got to be yeah. strong. Strong, I strong there. I've got to go with strong in that one, I guess. Yeah, that, yeah. that, was, that was strong, and uh, the one before that was, uh, was Corona. Hey, we'll come back with some national headlights. We've got to take a, uh, or headlines. We've got to take a uh, short break here. Let our broadcast partners at um, WFOV LP 92.1 FM in Flint squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial and click that mouse. More Armchair Politics is straight ahead.
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue Armchair Politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Mark Everson. And uh, that was uh, kind of fun toward the end of the last segment, uh, comparing those, True. those two people. <laughs> it um, was hard to tell the difference. It, it really was. And and I must say, um, Cecily Strong did a, uh, a pretty decent job of um, Gretchen Whitmer when she did a piece. Uh, oh, yeah. That's right. I recall that one. Anyway, um, moving on to some national headlines. President Joe Biden on Thursday signed an executive order aimed at kickstarting the implementation process of the sweeping $280 billion law to boost U.S. domestic chip making and scientific research, according to a copy of the order obtained by CNN anyway. Biden signed the order just two weeks after signing the law known as the Chips and Science Act, It's a move that reflects an urgency and understanding of the substantial task ahead for top administration officials as they continue to grapple with the acute risk posed by the concentration of the critical semiconductor industry. Is this a good fiscal policy, and are there other products that the U.S. should encourage be manufactured here in America? Hmm. Well, there are obviously there are others, but most of those uh, uh, natural resources are not here in this country. You know, we have to figure out a way to to do that. There's a lot of work to be done in there. But the question, I guess, I think I'm hearing, is that uh, is Biden capable of understanding this and? Is he making all of the decisions, and can we rely on his decisions? I would say he looks pretty good to me. Well, my my only thought is is I mean this is clearly I think it's a good policy to return the ships here, but is this simply kind of a bailout to one more large business? I mean, in in one sense, the businesses themselves ought to be making these decisions. So I, I mean, I like I said, I think in terms of military defense, maybe this you can make an argument for it, but. I mean, as I say, in many ways, it simply is a business decision that businesses decided to outsource them some years ago, and now, as times change, you try and bring them back here. So, uh, I can see I can see other businesses complaining about, gee, what, where's our where's our our funds to deal with our problems now too? If you're not a shipmaker, so but, but, but again, I think it's probably good policy in some ways. Some of those well, chips, I, uh, the ingredients are found in Africa and Russia yeah. and uh, uh, China, and we just don't have access to them. The raw the material. Thing, Go ahead, Mark. The other thing I'd say, say, yeah, the other thing I'd say here is that uh, generally I'm skeptical about uh, oh, the subsidies for the, those very largest businesses which have chosen to offshore. I like to keep things here in the States, and I'm sympathetic to this because of Taiwan, Taiwan has the biggest chip manufacturer, and, uh, you know, if the Chinese take that island, take that nation, or uh, we, we're just at a very precarious moment right now after Ukraine or in the midst of the war there, and uh, this hopefully this will start to get us back on the right track, but 
we we all you got to do is you guys are in the auto supply chain area. It's hard to get a car because of this issue. So that's right. Um, yes. Yes. So so I do. This is one where I think it goes beyond the economic policies into the national security policies, and there's no doubt in my mind that the big companies just uh, they they looked at economic costs they didn't look at the big picture when they took everything they took overseas that's that's what i would say you know what i can't what i can't figure out guys is it seems to me that the people making these chips if they're in taiwan um that the problem seems to be one of of distribution the chips aren't making it uh, you know over here now, my question is, are they able to sell enough chips in Asia and Europe that they don't need the American yeah. market? Or wouldn't they be um, just as anxious to get chips over here as we are to get them? Well, as I understand it, uh, what happened was uh, when the pandemic hit, you had a surge in demand in things like uh, telephones, you know, phones and electronics and things that were being used in the homes because so many people were all of a sudden spending time back in the home. And that, uh, combined with sort of an immediate slowdown in the cars, it, it just shifted where these chips went to, Tom, and uh, on top of all the other disruptions. So I do think there were ch basic changes in demand that sort of, have have had an impact on this. I'm not an expert in it by any means, but it just uh, I think you had a convergence of a bunch of different factors on the supply chain side, including that big shift towards more of these devices that everybody was using in the house or at home. Yeah, and I think true. one of the There's... rare elements was iridium, iridium, and we don't have that here in this country. I think that comes from South Africa or some holdings of the Soviet Union or China. One of those countries has the <clears throat> dominant um, source of, of iridium. <clears throat> but all of the other factors are also true, so who knows what it's supposed to And you're right. There, there's cars sitting on parking lots all over town here in Flint waiting for chips so they can be sold. Yeah. Um, I had for, I I had forgotten about that that shift, Mark. Um, you know, people even even business people staying home and conducting Zoom meetings and and increasing uh, the demand for communications equipment and educational uh, computers and gear and software and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, and I completely forgot about that that time that I used to joke about you know getting you know three weeks to the gallon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's see. Uh Americans who received Pell grants to help pay for college will receive much more help from the Biden administration's student debt relief initiative than other borrowers. Those who qualified for a Pell grant 
as undergraduates will have up to $20,000 of their student loan debt forgiven compared with up to $10,000 for those who did not receive one, according to the plan announced Wednesday. To be eligible, borrowers must make less than $125,000 a year if they are single and less than $250,000 a year if they're married or head of a household. Uh, including the Pell Grant measure will help direct more of the assistance to borrowers from lower-income families. Uh, President Joe Biden, who campaigned on doubling the size of the Pell Grant, highlighted the grant program at the start of his speech, unveiling the debt relief effort Wednesday. Is this creating an expectation, as some critics have suggested, that future loan programs won't be subject to uh, repayment? Mm, they might uh, just do that. Yeah, that, that bothers me too. That's a question. That's a, that's a good question. And besides, there are many people, you're going to only satisfy say, maybe 30 or 40% of the people who have taken out loans and have not paid them back. But you're going to dissatisfy a lot of others who have done so. So if you solve one problem, you're creating another one that will face you or face the country. I think in many ways the real problem is the, the, the rising cost of college education. I mean, when I, I recall when I was going to school, I mean, tuition wasn't a, wasn't like you were taking out a mortgage <laughs> as kids yeah. are today. And that, that, that's the states simply have not funded colleges as they used to do in the past. I think that's the bigger issue in some ways. Yeah, I, I, uh, I land on, I'm, I'm a skeptic on this. I think that the, the president was under a lot of pressure from the left to do something about this, but you're all right that the underlying <laughs> economics here, are, uh, they, it just, this gives license to the schools to just keep jacking up the cost yeah. of the education. Uh, and that that's is also a risk. That's a problem. Um, and, um, that's a, that's a, that's a real problem because then people sign up and, we we what we have to do is we have to get people to uh, be going to technical schools and doing things where they don't go to a four year program if they don't want to. I mean, the expectation has been we pushed a lot of people into these different schools of all kinds, and they just keep going up in cost. And I I do worry that you're going to have a lot of resentment. It's just uh, on the people who played by the rules and they took five or ten or fifteen or twenty years to pay off that debt. And they're they're rightfully proud of the fact that they mm -hmm. paid it off. So I just think there'll be a lot of downstream uh, issues here uh, because of this. I'm with you. Yeah, as I say, I think the fact is we used to we used to fund colleges much much better than we do now, and that uh, let's say student debt was not this kind of onerous burden that that we have today. I think that's the larger issue. Well, my old boss, Mitch Daniels, I'm sure you guys know this because you're in a neighboring state. Uh, He's he's just announced that he's going to step down as the head of Purdue at the end of this calendar year. That's after ten years. They haven't increased tuition in ten years because he said that's that's what we're doing to help students. We're going to tighten our belts, and you know they don't build new buildings, they don't uh, hire new administrators. They they've controlled the costs, and uh, the they, so the student debt is lower than it was when he got in there. Hmm. And yet he still remains a great university with a great reputation and a great exactly. football program. So it he's can doing be, the right thing. So, that's right, Henry. It can be done. It can be done. 
but but uh, this doesn't help it. If, uh, and it's the problem is uh, there are a lot of people who feel the Biden administration and the the, the rap on the Democrats is we're going to spend our way out of every problem. And I just don't think I just don't think that the average American buys that as a solution. Emma too. Well, you uh, yeah. let's 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 move on. See if we can get a couple more things in. Um, U.S. military and intelligence officials are stepping up their efforts to defend the electoral process from foreign hacking and disinformation as the November midterms approach, according to officials. Uh, officials uh, said Thursday. Uh, that they are actively defending against foreign interference and influence operations in U.S. elections. U.S. Cyber Command and the National Security Agency said in a statement specifically by focusing on how adversaries seek to undermine U.S. interests and prosperity, uh, the will to vote of the populace, as well as their belief in the sanctity and security of their elections, U.S. intelligence officials are warning that Russia, China, and Iran may seek to interfere in the U.S. voting process or shape voters' perceptions, uh, according to the command. Our election, I, I have a, a different kind of question about this. Are election attacks more likely to be foreign or domestic? Hmm. Good, I, I, yeah, I think that's a good question. I don't know. I would have said foreign about four or five years ago, but now I'm not so sure. It could be just a mixture of both. Well, as I was reading that, I thought, oh, of course we're expecting some shenanigans from you know some of these foreign interests, and of course we should defend against that. But what about the domestic threat? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be attempts perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. Particularly as, as the distrust in elections increases, more and more folks may be tempted to try things. Well, the Nevada Secretary of State's office on Friday adopted te uh, temporary regulations for hand-counting ballots in the state ahead of November's general election. As election denial and suspicious, uh, suspicions of uh, voting uh, or vote tallying machines grip parts of this western battleground strait. Mark uh, Wolashen, Nevada's Deputy S uh, Secretary of State for Elections, announced the adoption Friday morning after a 45-minute public hearing. He said the new rules would take effect October 1st. Nye County, Nevada, a sprawling rural community northwest of Las Vegas, that's at the forefront of the hand-counting movement plans to test hand-counting its roughly 30,000 ballots in November. The county's new clerk, Mark Kampf, uh, who, was falsely, who has falsely contended that Donald Trump won the 2020 election, has said he plans to proceed with a dual-track process using vote tabulating machines and hand-counting in November to test his contention that votes can be counted in a timely manner by hand. If hand-counting turns out to be as quick as the tabulating voting machines currently in use, will there be a push to hand-count ballots in future elections? 
Hmm, it's hard to believe it'd be this fast. Paul, you've, you've heard me mention, you know, going to hand counting many times, and I, I always felt I was being a little facetious when I when I said yeah, it. Yeah, Um But now maybe I'm not so sure if, if somebody's maybe testing not, yeah. how efficiently it can be done by hand. Maybe doing it by hand is a way to um, eliminate at least some doubt. What does that mean by hand? I mean, does it mean yeah. that you you actually fill out a piece of paper and check off uh, Henry's name or something, or or does it mean that that they are all counting? They're counting some summary sheet at the precinct before they call it in. I'm not sure quite what it means. Yeah, I'm not well, either. Guy, but I think this I think this test is going to be something to watch. Um, for that very reason, Mark, to find out what does hand counting mean and how much different or better is it than, uh, you know, relying on the printouts from these tabulating machines. Yeah, I, I just don't know what it is. A friend of mine, my closest friend, his, his wife was running for uh, town uh, board of select, and 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 um, there was like a eight or nine vote difference, and uh, and and. They did a recount, and he was there, and he actually found a ballot in the back of a voting machine, and and uh, you know that had been missed. So I don't, you know, I guess there are all sorts of different states, uh, different kinds of technology out there. Frankly, that that, uh, that some can be counted manually, and some cannot. I just don't know. Well, guys, I've been young people are not going to, they are not going to go through it. We only got about ten years of this left. The young people moving into these. <laughs> have made technology there. They're going to do it all Ain't on their confusing. They're going to do all yeah, their voting could on be their the phones. Case. Yeah, we do so much yeah. else online these days. Yeah, and the <clears> bankers <throat> use it. The bankers use it. If the bankers use it and you don't have any of the bankers' money, then it works. Well, you know, Mark, um, Paul is uh, from, from Illinois originally, and I've always contended that he has a trunk full of Dewey ballots. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my <laughs> grandfather can still be voting in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and 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 of course, according to one of our uh, one of the the GOP candidates for governor in the in the primary had uh, TV ads saying, "Why is it that dead people always vote Democratic?" Oh yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was thinking that they ought to get a committee of zombies for Rinky when he ran that ad. <laughs> he had the zombie on camera, with his staggering around <laughs> with uh, some Biden T-shirt. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, former President uh, Donald Trump responded Friday to a judge's request that he elaborate on his request that the court appoint a special master to oversee the review of evidence recovered from the search of his Mar-a-Lago residence with a 12-page filing that touched briefly on the newly released affidavit, um, or after David, uh, <laughs> the FBI used to obtain a warrant. <laughs> Trump was ordered to submit the filing after U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon, the Florida judge assigned to this case, uh, seeking a special master, identified several shortcomings in his initial uh, Monday request for more oversight for the FBI's review of the evidence seized. In the new Friday night filing, Trump pointed to some additional legal discussion of case law that he said supported his request. 
One of those cases had to do with his former attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Nowhere in the filing did Trump suggest that material dealing with attorney-client privilege was seized in the FBI's search of his resort. Is this an appropriate legal maneuver uh, event um, if attorney-client privilege is not involved? Hmm. Not event, even. Got a little typo there. Let me ask that yeah, again. Yeah, from from what I from what I've heard, that I guess I gather some at least somebody asserted that the judge was by doing the same thing as the master could have done, except for again maybe the issues of attorney-client privilege. Um, but even the I assume the judge would be able to justify to review that as well. I would think. So I I don't know. Or is it simply a delaying tactic? I I think that's Paul Moore the case here the former president trump that just takes advantage of any any possible avenue to delay all all of this and hope that the politics change i mean if you're able to delay this to a point where the republicans if the republicans were to have both chambers of congress it would it would really up the stakes of of, of anything that the Justice Department would do, if you will, yeah. I think. So that's what I think they're trying to do here is say, let's get through the next, um, whatever it is, uh, eight, nine, ten weeks and, and uh, see where we are. That's that. I think that's what some people are doing. But there's some real issues here, I gather. I was hearing on the radio today that there are apparently, you know, s- statements from Trump's attorney saying everything had been returned and that it, Clearly, quite clearly, it wasn't. So you've got you've got some real issues out there, on, uh, on, let alone the, cl- the classification issues and all of that stuff, but also obstruction of justice. And uh, I don't think Garland would have approved all of this if he didn't have the uh, hadn't already made a decision to, to see it through all the way. So we'll see what happens. Well, here's just a, a quick little lightning round uh, question before we go to break and uh, and then get into our final segment today. Um, I, I don't have time to squeeze in the whole the whole setup for this, but uh, essentially it boils down to this: the massive security fences that had been guarding the perimeter of the Supreme Court were removed over the weekend, even though the building is still closed to the public. Um, let's see; uh, it's still not confirmed whether the building will be open to the public after October 3rd when SCOTUS reconvenes, but my my question was, uh, how long after SCOTUS uh, reconvenes do you think it will be before the security fences go back up? Mm. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a sad reflection on, on our, the state of our democracy when we've got fences around the Supreme Court, the U.S. Congress, and so forth. That, uh, I mean, it, it really is a sad reflection on the kind of times we're in, I'm afraid. Uh, and, and they yeah, may well go back have, up in, after, in October. Go ahead, Mark. I think they'll just have a more of a uniform presence, I think, is how they'll, how they'll handle these things. Yeah, that's probably true. Anyway, we have to take a short break. We'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics, which uh, includes one of my favorite uh, parts is the uh, X-Files, although it really is becoming harder and harder to tell the difference between the X-Files and the the mainstream media headlines. Um, But if you're listening to us on WFOV, Our Voices Radio, 
92.1 FM in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial and click that mouse. More of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program is straight ahead. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital. Go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. 
She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. It'd be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back to Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program as we roll into uh, the final segment of today's uh, edition of the broadcast. We have uh, my one of my favorite parts is the X-Files. And, uh, and we start out with a gigantic groovy metal amusement slide in a Detroit public park is going viral for causing some seriously bumpy rides. And one local rapper isn't having it. Detroit hip-hop artist G-Mac Cash, who penned a rap praising Big Gretch, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, (laughs) released a diss song aimed at Belle Isle Park's shiny slide, which reopened last week after a two-year pandemic shutdown. The slide, described as a rite of passage by Axios Detroit, has been around since 1967 and allows thrill-seekers to slide down the undulating 40-foot-tall amusement on a pad for a dollar, according to MLive. It's been gaining worldwide media fame with videos showing people flying over the crests, slamming into the sides, and tumbling into the landing zone. How dangerous is this ride if a rapper is dissing it? <laughs> yeah, it says a lot. <laughs> That's right. Uh, have Have you heard uh, G Mac Cash's uh, song "Big Gretch"? I don't know that I have. Uh, well, here's here's just a, a little taste of it. Hey, on behalf See of no Detroit, on the chat. Hey, we want to present these bucks to our governor, hey. Big Gretch. Throw those bumps on their face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretz. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretz. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretz. Throw the bust on her face. Cause that's Big Gretz. <laughs> <laughs> that came out uh, right after that, um, that state of the state message um, that she gave where she got all the, all the criticisms. 
about the dress and her curves oh, and yes, all that. Yes, Remember yes. that? Well, right. he, came, he came out with this, and she responded to him on uh, uh, Instagram or Twitter or someplace in, in, uh, in, a, in a kind of a, a grateful way, you know, that he came out sort of in support <laughs> of her. Um, but anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. He was uh, tra- trashing this amusement slide. <laughs> I've seen the videos. It looked like people were, it was a pretty bumpy ride from the, the clips I saw on, on uh, some news coverage in the last couple of days. Well, well, it's been around since 1967. What were the people in the 70s and 80s doing? Yeah, I know. Is it, well, did they, they change it or something? They obviously, they obviously over-lubricated it. I, I saw some something on it. Just, it did sound like they went a step too far, but anyway, you know. Okay, well, firefighters in Britain conducted an unusual rescue when a caller reported a man who needed help extracting his hand from the back of a sofa. Um, (laughs) I I don't know how much change he thought was down there, but the Stapleford Fire Station in England said in a Facebook post that a crew responded Tuesday night to a report of a male with his hand trapped down the back of a sofa. The post said firefighters were able to help the man extract his hand. He was not seriously injured, but sustained slight reddening to his hand, the post said. It really isn't just fires. I am pleased we were able to help the male without hurting him further or damaging his sofa, firefighter Gavin Wilson said in the Facebook post. Don't you wonder how he called rescue workers with his hand trapped in the couch? (laughs) <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you call 911 for something like that? I don't know. <laughs> well, here's one that I've actually uh, came across a couple days ago and, you know, put the notes aside for today. And I, I've actually mentioned this to a couple of people. Uh, this one really took me by surprise. Canisters of whipped cream are included on a list of restricted items in New York with shoppers required to offer proof that they are at least 21 years old to purchase. And enforcement is on the rise, the Times Union reported. So why is this pumpkin pie accessory joining the company of liquor and beer? The change was spurred by the popularity of, quote, whippets, unquote, a type of recreational drug use that involves breathing in nitrous oxide gas stored in the canisters. Mm. The can's accessibility on shelves has helped put uh, uh, whippets among the top 10 most abused drugs globally. Highs from whippets have led to impaired judgment, heart failure, and seizures, and an overdose could cause hallucinations, according to the nonprofit Arch Academy. The state law limiting sales of whipped cream chargers, which use nitrous oxide to push the dessert topping out of the can, was signed in November, and enforcement of the law has recently stepped up, according to the Times Union. Who knew there was something of value in the cans after the whipped cream was gone? That's right. <laughs> exactly. Uh. I thought the Tide Pods were weird, but... The whipped cream is going to go... People will find something to to use one way or the other, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It, it kind of reminds me of glue sniffing. 
You know, just finding yeah. anything around yeah. the house. Although I did some painting around here recently and got kind of buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I forgot to open the window. Um, but anyway, that wraps it up for uh, the X-Files and today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics and Armchair Politics in general, actually, as oh. this is the last one for at least the foreseeable future, although at least one of us has already started talking about trying to get the band back together, and that was Henry. Oh. I say it's been Henry, a great are you run. Still with us? And I, I, the thing I would say is you've you've added so much to, to local Flint history that nobody else has done. That all the all these interviews and so forth are just recording our history in, in a way that uh, is going to be valuable for a long time to come. Well, there are still two shows left, and I feel uh, obligated to promote them because I think they're both going to be good in their own right. Tomorrow, uh, Monty Schultz is going to be on the show, and uh, his dad was Charles Schultz, who created uh, Peanuts, oh, yeah. Charlie Brown. And I and he was talking about, you know, I had, uh, as you heard a few minutes ago, um, Ann Serling, Rod Serling's daughter on the show, and she talked about what a regular dad he was, and Monty Schultz did sort of the same thing, and, and the interview was playing tomorrow. And, and he talked about they played yard, or played ball in the yard, and I I, I couldn't help asking him, <laughs> you didn't let your dad hold the football, did you? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, let, let me just say this. First on that, uh, that Schultz Museum out in California, north of San Francisco, is well worth seeing if you're ever out there. They have a, you know, a, 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 lot of his, uh, a lot of his work and everything's very interesting. But let me just say this as I uh, close this out. I just want to say, uh, well done, Tom. And... Uh, Paul and Henry, it's it's always a pleasure. It is. It's, it's always good talking to you, Mark. It really is. I, uh, I I I appreciate your insights on from so many things. And uh, thank you. The voice the voice of confidence that uh, we will get through all of these through this turmoil now is, is really <laughs> well. I really used refreshing. to tell I used to tell Mark when he when he would guest on the show separately from this uh, from this format. Um, that I always felt better after talking to him because he'd been inside. He knows what people are up to and how things work. And, you know, we, we get stories that, that are sometimes pretty frightening. <laughs> and, and, and he would always have sort of this calm, no, it, doesn't, it won't happen like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I always appreciated that. And I hope, um, I, I don't know, it sounds like we might have lost Henry, but um, I want to say thanks to everybody. And and uh, express how proud I am of um, what this particular segment of the show has done over the last 15 years. Hello? Oh, there's Henry. Uh, yeah, I could hear you guys, but you can hear me. And I, oh, okay. It's good to have yeah. you back, Henry. Well, I want to say thank you, Mark, for everything. You've been wonderful for the show. You've taught us a lot, and we've shared so much in both uh, substance and fun. Come back well, again. Hope well, we get back together. And thank you, Tom. And there's George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall. But I want to say um, uh, how much I appreciate all of you and all of the help you've been to me doing this show every Wednesday. And I hope you'll be available. I really don't know what's going to happen next. And I hope you'll be available if, uh, if I, if, if as Henry would like to see me do, I end up getting the band back together. 
And with that, good night, everybody. Good night. It's been a great run. It's a live variety yeah. show. Thanks so much. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.